0: You're listening to the Blue Box Podcast, and for the next sixty minutes, we're going to be talking about Doctor Who board games. So you don't have to.
1: <laughs> really?
0: No. Okay, let's do that again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't
2: have to talk about Doctor Who board games.
0: <clears throat> but we, well, it's Labyrinth? What's a board game? It's a board game. Yeah, but what do you have to do? Could you do a Doctor Who variation on it?
2: Caves of Androzani. It could be themed, but it wouldn't... No, it wouldn't it, be... It wouldn't tell any knowledge. It'd be more underworld than the Caves of Androzani. Best
0: board that. games, though. You wouldn't have to use knowledge. You'd have to use strategy, right? Mm. There was a Doctor Who risk, wasn't
1: there? Probably.
0: Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Fairly if I reason. remember rightly. With Daleks and Cybermen.
1: No doubt. Doctor Who seems quite challenging to turn into board games and computer games. It just doesn't... I think it's <clears> too... <throat> It's almost like it's too rich uh, a text. It's got iconography, but the actual. Well, the problem with
0: Doctor Who is it does. It's not about weapons, hmm. and most computer games. Well, not most. Well, yeah, I don't know. Probably
2: most are about weapons, aren't they? There is one new card game uh, called Timeline that I've played.
1: I played that. We have you have to put things in prom- chronological them. order. Yes. Yeah, I played that at Christmas. It's Brilliant, yeah, yeah. So, you um, you all get uh, what's well, something like five cards, and they have events on it, like um, the Cheops py- pyramid is built, um, the invention of the washing machine, um, Isaac Newton. You
0: could have picked five examples from Doctor
2: Who. Isaac, <laughs> yeah, Isaac
1: Newton is born, and on the back is the, <coughs> is the year that it's the exact date it's happened. I mean,
2: it's, mm-hmm. it's a license waiting to happen because there are already licensed versions of it on there, but right. I don't think right. there's Doctor yeah. Who yet,
1: no. And then you have to put it the card. So there yeah, yeah. are cards in the middle. You have to put your card where you think it goes and then turn it over. And turn if it you're, over and it gives you the date. If you're so right, you, you're right or not. something yeah. happens.
0: I've
1: got to say, yeah, that doesn't sound all that
0: good to me. It doesn't sound all that exciting.
1: It's, it's quite challenging because some of the... You end up trying to work out if the washing machine was invented before the typewriter or the other way around. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the pyramids being built goes right at the... Yeah, right yeah. So you you have to be strategic about putting putting the difficult ones out first because you know that the easy ones. So there's a sort of a strategy to
0: it. Okay. See. So yeah. 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 It is yeah. quite.
1: And some of the, the things are quite fun. Are quite obscure and
0: I suppose and you could have wrong. things like when did the siege of Reykjavik take place? Mm-hmm. And then people would have to work out what story it was and. But I, I don't even know. I can't even remember if there was a specific year or just a century.
1: I should know. It's the forty-second century, isn't it? Or
0: fifty-first.
1: I watched, as I said, I watched Talons of Wen Chiang last week, <laughs> and it's very good. Well,
0: it's time agent, isn't it? And time mm-hmm. agents, fifty-first century, okay. and I think they tied that into yeah. Talons. But I, yeah. but I could be half right in that they tied in time agents to Talons of Wen Chiang, but not the century.
1: I think maybe you're right. I don't know. I just like the dialogue.
2: (laughs) (coughs) Because they all get very complicated. as You start throwing in some River Song. That's true. Wow. That's what you call a segue. Well, everywhere in...
0: Oh, yeah, so we can... Yeah, but I didn't... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was
1: about to derail the segue. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, in Doctor Who, you'd pretty much have to only use things where you actually got a year... Wouldn't you? Yeah. As opposed to a century. Because if you have any two events in the same century, then what do you do? Is that a draw? Can you draw? I suppose you could draw.
1: Um mm, no, I don't think any two dates are the same.
0: Yeah, oh, all right. So you'd have to use things that either have a date or at the very least a year. Well a Doctor Who That's you'd use if you could
1: use the whole series. You'd obviously bulk it out with the historical story. Oh yeah, you have a lot of stuff, nicely.
0: yeah. <coughs> Even no. if you did it with okay. a new series, you've still got plenty of historicals.
1: You get you could have you could have three cards which are sort of so the events in episode one of Evil of the Daleks and the Faceless Ones and yeah, yeah. whatever it is, the war machines, all on the same card. That'd be quite interesting. Or you could have three separate cards and you have to work out which one of
0: them happened first during that day.
3: Yeah. yeah. Hello.
0: Hi, I'm JR. Hello, I'm Simon. Hi, I'm Matt. Um, <clears throat> do you remember...
1: Cause, it's been a while since I last podcast.
0: Though. Yeah, well, that was just things coming up. None of that was planned, and yet things just kept coming up. Hmm. And there were two good things to... You know, the things were too good to I listen, I've listened. To,
1: I've listened to two of them, which uh, there was... Uh, what, remind me which remind me what you've been doing
0: well elton town and jones and paul Ebbs that came on to one. talk about the bits pieces i like that one i that one as
1: well that was good yeah. because i'd never heard elton town and jones's voice before they're coming
0: know. they're coming back on in about a month oh, okay to do mm. another subject <laughs> something fairly similar okay. they are your replacements yes yeah yeah
1: <clears throat> i think they're too busy to be <laughs> yeah no no they are
0: too busy hmm. but we said let's do it again and That's i right. said when during the year is going to be a bad time, and they said after May completely ruled out. Yeah. So if we do it again, it will have to be in the next sort of six or seven I weeks. An,
1: I also noticed on Facebook how suddenly the listenership kind of just increased. <laughs> <laughs> Elton Tamlin Jones and Paul Epps. it didn't with like Nick Briggs and Barn, you know, Keith Barnfather. That was just like, but Elton Townman Jones, as soon as he, <laughs> as soon as he retweets it, everyone is listening. Yeah. No, I. Or, or maybe they're regular listeners anyway.
0: I think some of them were, but then Keith Keith Bar and Father had it on his timeline. Okay. Okay. So you probably didn't see that. So but then you'd what, have had extra. What people. you're saying
1: is you've had three really three weeks of really high listenerships, but now <laughs> now it's back. And now and we're Jessica. back to the same old group <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes.
2: Uh, <clears throat> slot bucket. Mm.
0: Mm. Um. <laughs> I swear. Anyway, a few weeks ago, I had an email from um, Adrian Sturrock about his little boy Logan who was watching Doctor Ooh, Who. Yeah. Okay. So here's the first of, I'm calling it Logan's Look. Okay. Where Logan talks about the three, well, he he was going to send them in in threes and here's the first one. And of course, it, he, he just got to season 15. So here's the first three from season 16. The Reboss Operation, Logan says, I enjoyed it, but it's not one of my all time favourites. I like the fact that the Key to Time segment so disguised. It was very obvious that the Jethric was the first segment, because it looks just like a segment of the Key to Time, <laughs> but it was a different colour. I like Romano so far. Score, it was okay, 5 out of 10. <clears throat> Reboss Operation, not really a kid's story, is it?
1: No, but I feel similar to him. <clears throat>
0: Oh, I like Rebus Operation. I'd score
1: it a bit highly, but I have the same opinion. (laughs)
0: Uh, I hated it when I was a kid. Love it now. (laughs) Um, Pirate Planet. The second segment was much better disguised as it was a whole planet. Mm. I really liked how the captain was controlled by the queen using a device. I also really enjoyed the fight between K-9 and the polyphase Avatron. However, I was disappointed that we didn't get to see the Doctor and Romana collect the second segment on screen.
3: That yeah, have been interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <coughs> Score, quite good. Eight out of ten. The Stones of Blood. It was good. They made up a creative god. The augury were kind of weird because rocks can't normally move and obey someone else's commands. The segment was quite easy to guess because it was a gem which looked similar to the piece of the segment. Score, good. Seven out of ten.
2: Fair enough. And
0: hopefully we'll have some more of those next time. I've got another email, which I'll come to later. And um, because we've not done it for so long, I've got two audios and six films. (laughs) (laughs) Driving. Which I may skip through later on in more of a hurry. And because we've been putting this off, Simon, it's two weeks since you watched the episode that we're going to talk about. It's three weeks (laughs) since I watched it. And it's approximately three
2: hours since Matt watched it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly the episode you want to be giving any period of time between, kind of, there's so much, isn't there? It's quite dense. Yeah. Yeah. I'd go on Wikipedia to remind myself exactly what happens in it. It's an event event
1: episode. Or events episode. Yeah.
2: Well, we should say what it is.
0: It's a good man goes to war.
1: Oh, really?
3: No, I'm
0: just kidding. I know you're just kidding because you said. On Facebook, just before we came over. that You just watched it. Um, So, this is the mid-series break in Series Mm 6. The bit where it splits off for ten weeks or something. So, okay, first time around. Did we all enjoy it when it was first on? And prior to three hours ago, two weeks ago, and three weeks ago, how long since we watched it? Matt. Your opinion the first time?
1: I was... Slightly confused by it the first time and slightly underwhelmed. I, I knew it was a good episode, but I think because of the previous two episodes had lulled me into a sense of sort of this is going to be shit clodding story, <laughs> and then suddenly you get it's like a jarring change to to this sort of kinetic episode. So and I think I felt that I felt that sort of judder when I first saw it. You could t- you could tell it shifted from someone else to Moffat. Yeah, in just one week. And that was how I felt. And time.
0: when was the last time you saw it, before this turn?
1: I think maybe on the week of... Maybe I watched it a couple of times when it was transmitted. And not since.
2: No. Simon? Mm. Um, yeah, I liked it, but uh, it did feel like loads of stuff being thrown at you. It felt like loads of loose ends, which are ready to be... Like the ends of fibre-optic cables, like, flapping around, waiting for their connection. And so you get thrown these bits and pieces that that kind of connect, but you're left with more. So you kind of, you get the impression that, that with Stephen Moffat, that loads of stuff's been thrown at the wall. So like Matt said, it was kind of really intriguing and exciting and lots of stuff to think about, but I wasn't sure it was connecting, if you okay. saw I mean. So I did enjoy it. And and Nightmare, like probably the last time I watched it, I w- would have watched it on Transmission then quite soon after that to watch it again to try and make sure I got everything from it. Yeah. So, yeah, a couple of weeks ago was the next time after that.
0: Well, the last time I watched it, I think I did a big um, binge of pretty much all the Moffat episodes during about the anniversary year or sometime around then. So I have watched it since Transmission. And the first time I watched it, I loved it because... It felt like, well, back in 1978, when um, Graham Williams was the producer, there was lots of talk, and there's always been lots of talk about, should Doctor Who compete with Star Wars? Mm. And of course, it never did, and it never has. And even when it came back with Russell T. Davis, it never really did the Star Wars thing. Mm. And this felt, to me, like Doctor Who doing the Star Wars thing. Aesthetically, this is Empire Strikes Back. Even with lightsabers. Yeah. This is um it's it's Luke in the Cloud City and mm-hmm. Empire Strikes Back basically this yeah. episode. Yeah. So to me, I was like, Wow, they went there, they did it, yeah. and considering the budgets and all this kind of stuff, and considering that it's mid series and it's got all these plot threads, mm. I was very impressed with the way it did it and I really enjoyed the fact that the Doctor isn't in the first twenty minutes. Mm. I thought that was because it's coming at the end of a run of episodes rather than at the start of a series, I thought, well, that's an unusual thing to do at that juncture. Mm. But because of what it does in terms of the story, I thought that was a really interesting way to start that episode because it threw you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And then, like in The Christmas Invasion, where you're waiting for Tennant to wake up, you're waiting for Matt Smith to appear... Because you know he has got something he has to do in this episode. So you're waiting for him to turn up to do the thing. And the other thing I liked about it was... For the past five years, we'd been having story arcs... Where you just drip-fed stuff. And you don't really find out anything concrete till the last episode. Mm. But here, presumably because of the fact... That they were taking this break of ten weeks or whatever it was... he wraps a load of stuff up in this episode. This He wraps up approximately 50% of the story arc for the series Mm. in this episode. Mm -hmm. And he essentially doesn't really start any new ones, Mm. any new threads. What he does is he said, right, this is where these threads are going. We don't need those anymore, but the other threads are the threads that are now going to define the whole of the series as opposed to this half of the series, so it wraps a load of stuff up, which, yeah. you know, nobody had really done in Doctor Who since it came back, mm. and that felt weird, and new, and unusual, and satisfying as well, yeah. so I've got to say, the first time I watched it, these were all the things I was thinking, mm. and I was really impressed by it. It's like a new, it was almost
2: like a new form of episode, almost like a juncture, mm.
1: yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, it was like, because, because they were having this break, and he obviously knew this break was going to be in it before they started making the series. I mean, variously people have said, oh, they were struggling, so they had to split it up because they couldn't get the episodes done. There's no way Mm. that they split it arbitrarily afterwards. The series was always going to be split like this because there's no other way that it would work, the way the story works. Mm. I mean, it's not like they suddenly wrote this episode at the last minute to account for the split. Yeah. Because the entire first of the series, first half of the series, is doing one thing, and the entire second half of the series is doing something else. Mm. <clears throat> so we always knew he was going to have this split. And whereas some people, <clears throat> if you look at things like, I don't know, to take one example that something I'm familiar with, Battlestar Galactica, the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, yeah. that was one of those series that starts in the autumn and runs till the spring and takes mm. like a month to two months break at Christmas. Yeah. And in the last episode before Christmas, they always call them two-parters on the box sets. But what actually happens is the last episode before Christmas gives you a great big cliffhanger that you've got to wait six weeks to see resolved.
3: Yes, yeah.
0: And this was the very first example in Doctor Who of somebody who's writing the series knowing he has a break and giving you that
3: moment
0: where you're not left with a series resolved and maybe something open-ended for next year, Mm. but you're left with a very definite split midway in the series where certain things are resolved and other things are deliberately left hanging. And the cliffhanger, people... We had this discussion when we talked about um, the almost people where you're left with the cliffhanger of Amy having the baby. Yes. That would have, I, I said at the time, that would have been a horrible cliffhanger for six, ten weeks, whatever it was. Yes. But with this one, it's not a cliffhanger. <clears throat> it's a resolution. Mm. It doesn't actually mm. end on a cliffhanger. It actually it's, ends it's, on a resolution. It's kind of
1: a resolution, but it's also, and I think... I'm, it's a,
0: revolution that asks, a resolution that asks a question, it, isn't
1: it? It does, but also, and I think this is something we'll get into with Let's Kill Hitler. But there's something about what the Doctor does that makes you think that the next the next six episodes are going to be mm. one set of stories. And I think people were disappointed, but that's the next kill us. Kill well, we can talk, dis- we'll talk about it now. People were disappointed because it didn't go down that route. Um, but looking at this episode in isolation, it's a perfectly reasonable assumption to think that the Doctor is now going to, to go off to try and, I don't know, change River Song's past... <clears throat> And try and find a, the baby. Yeah, yeah. Find the baby again, even though we knew who the baby
0: is. Well, yeah. But plus the fact that he goes off on his own. Yeah. So it suggests to anybody who's actually thinking about it, no, that's not what we're going to see yeah. because he's gone off on his own to do it. Yeah. So we're not going to see that. We're going to see what happens when
1: he gets back together yeah, with Aiden or, epi- or an episode mm-hmm. of him doing it. There could have been. A sort of a companion <clears throat> light episode.
0: But, but I mean, I might as well say this now. You've got 10 weeks between now and the next episode, mm. and what you don't have is 99% of the audience thinking about Doctor Who for those 10 weeks or whatever it is. No. So the 1% of fans who rewatch and don't stop thinking and go on forums, and go on Facebook and talk about these things, mm. are all thinking, what's the Doctor going to do with his baby?, the other 99% of the audience have pretty much forgotten all about it. And when you come back with Let's Kill Hitler, mm. if you'd have carried on from the... Moffat doesn't carry on in the same place. No. In the second half of a two-parter. Yeah. He's certainly not going to do that oh, it's very, ten weeks it's later. It's very like
1: Steve Moffat to do what he did. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, was, I probably yeah. wouldn't say that Let's Kill Hitler is the ideal sort of leaping on point for the series <laughs> because it does rely on... I mean, there is... Oh, Yeah. <clears throat> there is element there are obviously elements of the River Song story that come back quite heavily in there and are very confusing but But, but, but having I said that, we haven't got that far.
0: Doctor Who at this point has a guaranteed
1: hmm.
0: pretty much yeah. audience of eight million people. Yes. And that's not a different eight million people each week. Hmm. There are eight hmm. million people who are watching every episode. So they forget about it for ten weeks. But hmm. when you come back, you don't have to reintroduce everybody because they know who everybody is. Actually
1: in the context of this episode, it doesn't matter, because no. in this particular episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a really good ending to the, to the episode. It's got mystery
2: and <coughs> it's got sort of... Well, it, it sets up feelings. a question. Yeah, you're left As, with that nugget. I mean, it really, Let's Kill Hitler, isn't that so, such a pr- surprise, is it? Because you're left with this massive nugget hmm. at the end of the episode, which then becomes the focus shifts. Well,
0: well the question think, is, how is River Song... Amy and Rory's daughter and in typical Moffat fashion you already know that because you've yes. already seen the entire story
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean in a way the biggest cliffhanger in um, uh, Good Man Goes to War is the coming next Let's Kill Hitler yes. title sign mm. because you're expecting the next episode to be I don't know The Doctor Hunts for the Baby
2: or The Hunt yeah. for a Song or The Search for River Song I mean, or, considering Let's Kill Hitler considering is, Moffat gets such a hard time for not killing people yeah he just kind of assumes he just says well the baby was born and it has this life and we know how the life ends up yeah. therefore that's how it is
3: yeah and, and so course. the next
2: time we see you just see a window into that life yeah yeah we see that that life does happen but there's no then, there's yeah. no yearning to change any of that because the doctor already knows that that's what the that's the girl's life yeah and yeah. that, that that moment when um when you know river song tells him who who she is and he's got the realisation. can almost see the cogs were in there's Obviously, there's who she is and who she is to Amy and Rory and all that sort of thing. But there's also the, oh, so that's the, your life.
1: Yeah, I think there's still a sadness in there because hmm. effectively Amy and Rory have moved, will move on without having a baby. So that, they don't. But get that's what I mean. <laughs> that's, that's, baby, that's, but <clears throat> they discover they've always known their baby. Yeah. Because they grew up with their baby, but thinking that they're. The best friend, or yeah. the best friend's the baby, and then they knew... That's the kind song. of my point, that, you know, for but, all the
2: people that say the Moffat won't kill people off, yeah. but he doesn't hold it's back on no, doing no. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, it's yes, quite it's a quite bitter a, pill to yeah, swallow. Yeah. yeah, I'm not
1: quite sure if the Doctor's sort of grief or reaction, like, no, it's fine, everything's fine, is appropriate in that sense, because it's still, I think it's still a pretty, for a pretty me, cruel thing to
2: happen. Weirdly, for me, it kind of works because the doctor's got this big view, this Mm. big world view of time, the bigger picture. He's got the bigger picture, yeah. So, as far as he's concerned, oh, that—that's her life. That's oh, that makes sense now. Oh, this is who she is now. Yeah. And And the doctor always
0: gets excited, not when something that should emotionally excite him happens, but when something that intellectually exciting happens. Absolutely. In which which case,
1: maybe Amy and Rory, and this is maybe in a later episode. Maybe they could have picked this up from somewhere because they seem to—they to, seem to yeah. not be affected so much by it mm. when they discover. Really, I think th- I think it's been acknowledged by Stephen Moffat possibly that they didn't quite get, they didn't quite get the resolution <clears> right <throat> in that in that sense. Well, there's lines, lines then,
0: isn't there? And there's reasons given, mm. but I think that I, I think it's one of those things where also he's got to remember he's writing this. Ostensibly for children, yeah. yeah, and children don't want to see a series about the hunt for a baby when they're expecting Daleks and well, Cybermen. Yeah. So he was always going to have to shove it to one side. And the argument, therefore, is not did he do the story right, mm. but should he have done that story?
1: You also, also can't have a baby on board the TARDIS. <clears> so but, Rory and Amy running with a baby is sort
0: well, of, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Just... But then my answer to that is, I've just said. This episode is Doctor Who doing Star Wars. Mm. And what's the... Star Wars is all lightsabers and Jedi and mystical talk. But right at the heart of Star Wars is a brother and a sister who grew up not knowing each other. Mm. So much so that when they first meet each other, they're just about ready to hop in a sack with each other. Yeah. And it's about neither of them knew their father. So much so that at the end of the second film, the big revelation is, oh, good God, that guy I've been... Wielding my lightsaber at is my dad. Mm. That's the big thing in Star Wars. None of those people knew each other when they were growing up.
1: No. This is Doctor Who's version of that. Yes. It's
0: no different whatsoever.
1: Mm. Yes, but without Luke Skywalker's no <laughs> yes. when he discovers it. I think no, but there is
0: when good. we watch Let's Kill Hitler. There right. is a there is a no moment okay. in Let's Kill Hitler. <laughs> Okay. But people just forget it,
1: okay? Because well, people think they should have been more of a no moment. As I said, that might come when when I rewatch Let's Kill Hitler.
0: Yeah, which we'll obviously be doing for the next. And the other thing as well that people forget, I think, and I've said this many times, the entire pregnancy, Rory has no idea that Amy's pregnant, and Amy has no idea that Amy's pregnant, right. and a large part of bonding with your child is going through the nine months of gestation when you're mentally and emotionally preparing yourself to have a child. Hmm. So just thrusting a baby into Amy's arms at the start of A Good Man Goes to War and then an hour later or whatever it is, it dissolves into milk. She has not bonded with that baby in that time. Rory has not bonded with that baby in the time. I know it sounds a bit cold, but if you're going to be as dispassionate as to say, this is it's, not a story you should no, have told, mm. or not in this way, then you've also got to look at that fact, that they have not bonded but, with the baby. But
1: that is sort of shown on screen in kind of television terms, that they have... They bond with the baby quite quickly, because you see you see, there's quite a touching scene with Rory holding the baby and bringing yes. it back to Amy, and then the, but it's, of the three of them, and then the conversation with the baby. The baby is quite central. But... So, in, in real yes, terms, because yes, because they've got they've to sell the moment hundreds. when yeah. it dissolves into milk. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: if you look at it dispassionately, that's quite superficial,
1: yeah,
0: you yeah. know, relative to spending nine months yeah. waiting for the baby yeah. to arrive. Mm. So, you've got to take all these things into account. And should he have told that story? I don't think he's got any less right to tell that story than George Lucas tells the story of Luke and Leia and
3: mm-hmm. Darth Vader.
0: Mm. Essentially, and he tells that across six films in the end because you mm-hmm. then get three films about Anakin growing up to be Darth <sighs> Vader, yeah. yeah. But you know what I'm saying, yes, yeah. that's the whole backbone of Star Wars, yeah, is the story that Stephen Moffat's telling across series six.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But he does it in a timely, wimey way because it's Doctor Who, yes. <clears throat> so, other things about the episode, um, we haven't
1: said what we thought about it this time we watched
0: it. Oh, true. Okay, let's go around and say what did we think of it this time. I'll I'll start. I liked it slightly less. Okay. Because I still like it a lot. Some of the things that didn't bother me before, because now I've watched it like five or six times, the things that didn't bother me before sort of slightly take a little bit more precedence Mm. over the things that I like about it Mm. because... That if you've watched something six times and you've got niggles, yes. those niggles are there every damn right. time. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? Yes. So, I got two or three, not very big, but little niggles, and they're the things that sat with me when I watched it this time.
1: Right. Matt? I liked it more, and I think I liked it more because we've I've seen more Moffat now, and okay. I'm sort of watching it in isolation because... For whatever reason, it's been like a month since the last <laughs> time we recorded the podcast. Because I'm watching in isolation. I know Moffat's story a bit better now. Um, I also know some of the characters. So I know Strax and yeah, Astra. Yeah, yeah. So I'm more comfortable in their presence. I know what they're there for. So they were sort of fixed points. And so it didn't feel like a sudden, you know, you were talking about it, throwing yeah. things against a wall. Mm. A lot of the things that were being thrown, I recognised now. Mm. And in fact, the lurchy moments now which I didn't feel on the original, were when other characters came in towards yeah. the end, like the pirate came in towards the end, mm-hmm. and the Sontara and the, the, the Silurians, there's a weird shot of the group oh, of yeah, Silurians yeah. fighting. So they felt weirder now than they did before, because it was just tracks coming in, and that felt normal, I think. So I, uh, yeah, I kind of, I
2: liked it a bit more. Simon? Mm. Um, it's interesting you say about all those different species and that all coming mm. together I mean yeah I felt a little bit when the pirates turned up I thought
1: yeah,
2: okay. and then the spitfires turned up and it's like oh yeah the spitfires turned up yeah that really was sort of yeah a little jarring things. yeah but uh, I thought it was interesting that it's doing that in the middle of a well like you say it's, it's kind of a semi um you know final episode if you see what I mean a mm. mid-season climax mid-season, yes. mid-season finale yeah um quite brave to do all that and have all these elements coming together but yeah like I say that I don't know you get it's a funny thing isn't it it's, it's trying to figure out whether all this stuff is thrown together it's like when you see people where they get taken in blot and they can turn it into something mm. so it's all this stuff being thrown together and then made sense of or is it all there for a reason and I think that's why I spend my time trying to figure out Oh, but, I don't know. I thought it was all there for a reason, really. Yeah, no, no, it's one, yeah. I, I I think that's, that's like you say, that's getting used to Stephen Moffat's writing. Yeah. Is that and these things are there for a reason. There's, just a lot yeah. of, there's a lot of moving parts. I
1: think there are a lot of moving parts and there are a lot of things thrown at it. But it's also clearly really tightly structured. Because mm. what we were saying about um, the Doctor not turning up and they're constantly teasing his arrival, you can tell that... You can tell it's an episodic, it's got episodes within the episode. So Mm, it is mm. sort of, he knows what he's doing and you can tell. And the way that Rory is constantly being used as this kind of mock doctor. So it's constantly building up Rory's part. I think it's a really good episode for Rory. Mm. And that probably demonstrates more about Rory's character than any other episode. Because he's suddenly snapped into this. I mean, once Amy's been kidnapped, he's snapped into this kind of major heroic role. And I loved the scene on board the Cyberman. Ooh, ship. That was great. More this time than before. Really good, yeah. Because I knew what was happening. And that that sort of joke about the, the explosions behind him. Mm. And because they built up to, to Matt Smith when he did appear, I was surprisingly, like, you know, chilled by it or quite excited by it. Mm. Which I wasn't by by other big Matt Smith moments. Um,
2: but yeah, I, I liked it more. No. because like Matt, I felt more comfortable with it, what were, and I kind of, I kind of knew the job it was doing, which is, it's hmm. not, I know it's not the, it's not the way you should watch an episode. You should just let it flow over you and and just enjoy it. But uh, what were the nickels?
0: Things like River Song saying, River, him coming to collect River Song and her saying, "No, I can't come," hmm. and not giving a reason and being portentous about it. Yeah, the Doctor will rise higher than he's ever risen, and fall farther than he's ever fallen.
2: Yeah,
0: at that, that—that's a niggle. Well,
2: I—I I
0: perfectly he feel understand. Like he has, yeah, because it didn't feel like he rose higher. I mean, it, it felt like he was doing the Doctor thing. Yeah, and it felt like he'd been undermined. Well, there was, and, it was, and you
1: don't—it was don't, in the dialogue. So one of the characters does. Oh, Bastra says, "You have never." Risen, that's high, what I mean. So that was sort of shoehorned in there, but yeah,
2: I didn't like it no. on either of those times, isn't yeah. it? So because what Lorna was... Bucket says they say about the, the word doctor has become, has come to be, oh me no, I worrying. like that, yeah. yeah. But is that what that's relating to? Is that where they're saying the doctor's never risen so high or fallen so far? Mm. So it could be a figurative thing, it could yeah. Be... oh yeah, yeah, but it's just portents and things
0: like that mm. in mm. Doctor Who. I don't like it when. <clears throat> and then, not that I don't like it, but if there's a niggle with this episode, one of them is I don't like it when she says "as high as" and well, "as low as."
1: Yeah. Well, that's the—that's the, da- the slight danger, possibly, possibly with all new Doctor Who, but also possibly with Moffat. Is every season climax ends on the Doctor's never done this before? This mm. is the this is the worst. Well, it starts with
2: L doesn't it? Do you yeah. know what I- I think doesn't help is the fact that River says, oh, I can't, this is the time I can't come along. And then she waits till the dust settles, then she turns up. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it and as tight as the rest of it is, River Song
2: turns up yeah. in order to say, I'm your daughter. Yeah. there's And you think, why now and not? Yeah. So presumably
1: because presumably, presumably the daughters, so River Song can't turn up whilst the kid's still there.
2: Because, well, no, of, no. because of the the occasional logical or the occasionally well,
1: consistent Doctor Who rule that yeah. you can't turn up when you're when a, the earlier version is of yourself, although it's a Time Lord version, so it's a bit like it would have been like the two but she, doctors. But it wasn't <laughs> it
2: wasn't the baby though, was it? And Surely oh, she would have known that. I don't doesn't. know
1: when did they switch the baby? They must have, did they switch the baby at some point? Well, there was never or was a baby always...
0: switch. It was always the milk baby.
1: Okay,
0: mm-hmm. I, that's the only way it works that it was always the milk baby because Amy was always in the room with it.
1: Okay. Uh, well, no, because they took the baby away. Oh, um, maybe, but... Kavarian was... They were sort of shipping the baby away. I, well, I can't imagine any there.
0: reason why they would have to have given her the real baby first and then switched mm. it. No. Rather than just no. give her the milk baby, so I just yeah, right. assume it was always the milk baby. But you know what I mean? It's like River can say, Oh, diary, I know I'm not supposed to turn up until this moment. Mm. But that's sort of a tiny bit of a flaw, okay. because... The Doctor's supposed to know what River's done in her future and River's supposed to know what the Doctor's done in his future, Mm. but not vice versa. But for her to say, I can't turn up until the moment when I'm supposed to turn up and say, I'm your daughter, means that actually the knowledge that she's got is somebody else's knowledge rather than her own and it doesn't quite work. So that's kind of a niggle. Mm. I mean, it works in terms... It works the first time you watch it, Mm. but the more you watch it, the more
2: you think, Mm. well, it's all a bit spurious really isn't it well like, unless the doc the doctors put it in her diary after that event, so he's sort of put in the diary you don't turn up because you well
0: yeah, i mean presumably that's the excuse for it, yeah, but as I'm always saying, show not tell he's not about have the picture on the screen, but it's about do what you demonstrate mm, mm. so those,
1: so on a different note those pre the the, the pre arrival scenes the one in Victorian London and the Cyberman spaceship and the, the Battle of, what was it called? Zarathustra. Yeah. They were really good. Mm. I really loved those. And that's the, an example of Moffat throwing something away that could make an entire yeah. entire story Sontarans versus humans mm, on Zara, a called Zarathustra. Well,
0: it's Moffat's version it's of those lines in Towns of Wen Chiang about yeah. the siege yeah. of Reykjavik or whatever, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Except because they've also, got the budget, it, he can show you two minutes of it. But I still want to see those, <laughs> well, <laughs> those yeah. stories. I mean, Victorian. Well, oh, well yeah. even more so, because you get to see yeah. a minute and of Stract, it. You know? was really, I
2: really so like Stract. We see Strax basically fatally wounded so everything, yes. every time you see Strax after that that's what's his life before then no I think he no. just got better <clears throat> he did get better there's right, okay.
0: a two minute mini-sode right. where they relentlessly take the piss out of him because he said oh no I'm dying and it turned out he was just slightly
1: bruised
2: ok and that's so, I, I'm exaggerating. I imagine that I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Presumably they some someone of the box. I know, there's brought a him back box. because he was yeah. phenomenally good. Yeah,
1: <laughs> in this one, mm. just uh, I mean the potential for humour from from that.
0: What do we? Okay, a lot of people moan about Strack saying he undermines the
2: concept of the Santarans. D- do any of us agree with that? No, I think. Yeah,
1: he's, really. I think he
2: supports. Well, the I don't. Of the I don't feel times. it. I don't feel it as intensely as I did. But I didn't mm. think there was a.
1: I mean, the Santarans have never been. Like a serious, scary race they've always been a slightly comical race because mm. lynx Lynx was a sort of a mock um you know i mean a slightly ridiculous he was a character. straight man, yeah,
0: essentially like a laurel and Hardy type straight yeah. man to all the comedy that was going on around him he was yeah. the he he was he's the one who's cleverer than anybody else, but too dumb to see yeah. what's going on yeah. mm. in the time warrior, mm. and the Sontaran experiment is. As much as we might like it, because it's Hinscliff and Evans, it's a horrible story, hmm. and it doesn't really do anything for the Santarans because there's nothing logical. You know, about I just, uh, it.
2: I, suppose, I guess, I've always imagined them as being quite a nasty race, only but, because but, of the Santaran experiment, probably, probably, yeah.
1: But even but, if they are, then actually, Strax sort of reinforces
2: this because the the biggest punishment for a Santaran is.
1: To be good being nurse nurse It yeah. may be
2: that I'm blaming him with kind of how I felt the Sontaran stratagem treated right. them, okay. which is that all of a sudden they seemed very, in design as well as the way they behaved, yeah. they seemed suddenly very—I don't know what the word is—really almost comically. Mm. Yeah, but they there was but, a lack of grit to them. I don't.
0: But a I don't think that's true. I think the Sontaran stratagem did them really well. But b all of that is already in right from the first moment of the Time Warrior where Lynx turns up and plants a flag yeah. mm. and says, you know, forever after that, in those Santaran stories, they're always going on about sacrificing themselves in the name of the Santaran Empire and all this stuff. Mm. Mm. So when they do it in the Santaran stratagem and then when they do it in um, with
2: Strax where you get all this gin- jingoistic dialogue... That's straight out I of Club at Home. I can't put my hands up and, and <clears throat> I can't deny how brilliantly written he is and mm. how, how the comedy is played out. It is brilliant. Mm. But um, Did he soften over time? Oh, maybe, yeah. Or did he get. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, as I say, it's hard to deny the fact that how well acted and well yes. written it is. Yeah. It is good. I think if you're going to make a comic character out of any monster. Mm. Then, but I don't know how I don't know how they can pull back and come back from that. I don't know whether we can have another Sonoran. Oh, story.
1: easily. Why not? Uh, the, it's almost well. <coughs> the, I think the thing that supports your worry, Simon, is that scene in Is it Time of the Doctor with yeah, the two, well, the, two, two comic <laughs> yeah, And that is them bringing Santarans back,
2: and they turn out to be both like and, tracks, and so weirdly the, in in inverting that, it's mm. a bit like in um, Return of the Jedi, they were going to have a forest of, I think I've said this before, they were going to have a forest of Wookiees. They weren't going to have Ewoks. Mm. Right. Then they said, well, what that will do is that will undermine Chewbacca's character. Right. Yeah. So in the same way, if they make all the Sontarans comical Sontarans, mm. it undermines what they've done with Strax. Yes. Yeah. Because he has been taken out and obviously they're clones and they're all supposed to be very similar, but he's been taken separately and I been mean, living maybe, with humans. Well, it's maybe been... So, It's been four years now since the last
1: time we saw Strax. Yeah, it's a distance of time. They just need a a story with really moodily shot Sontarans and then suddenly it will become... or there's the redesign of Sontarans.
0: Mm. And really, to say, oh, if you've got a comedy Sontaran, you can't have serious Sontarans after that, is, without wanting to sound rude, a bit stupid if you can
2: have stories where you've got comedy humans and then serious humans absolutely (coughs) I'm stupid then but um, (laughs) yeah no absolutely I'd like to see it I'd like to see it kind of pull back and let's get a a good (coughs) meaty Sontaran story
1: I, I don't think JR's argument quite holds up because the, well, it's the, the an comedy alien. Comedy humans, so, and humans yeah. are more... Aliens are slightly more generic. That's the whole point. Sontara is more than anybody because they're clones.
0: But the new series makes them less generic and particularly Stephen Moffat has made them less mm. generic. And this is what Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat have both done is that mm. they've both built universes. Yeah. They've not set Doctor Who anywhere in time and space, but it's always had a fixed universe to come back to. Mm. And part of having a fixed universe to come back to... Is that you no longer do look at the aliens as generic, yeah. And this story has another example of that, or the next episode will too. In that, the silence, yes, I think it's in the next episode where there's a line about the silence being a religious order, or was yes. it in this episode? Yeah, I think it was, it, it was in this episode,
2: yeah, I'm pretty sure
0: it was. Yeah, I know it's either in this one or the next one, and I can't remember whether I saw it. No, I'm sure it's
1: silence being a religious order, isn't that in
2: um. Uh, time of the Doctor. No, it's reiterated oh, it. in Time okay. of the
0: Doctor, okay. but it's said either here or in okay. Let's I Kill can't Hitler. It
2: being in, oh, maybe in I'm mind. getting mixed up with the monks, because the monks is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it'd
0: it be in the next episode, then mm. Let's Kill the, Hitler.
2: The argument about the
1: Sontarans is probably belied more by Cybermen, because Cybermen can be really stupid. Mm. Like they are, I mean, these Cybermen in in this episode were mm. really pretty thick <clears> and easily defeated. But then in later episodes, you can have sort of scary side men brought back, mm. or if just a redesign of the side men. I know, men, uh, yeah, a know, retro it's... redesign with the the Mondasians. Oh, and they're really scary. They're really good. Mm. I want to mm. watch that again.
2: <laughs> well, you go and watch it after we've left. Yeah. Anyway, my my worry about something is it's, it's something I'm aware of. Mm. You're, you're working on it. I'm working you're, on it. Yeah. You're seeing someone about it.
0: Um, what about Vastra then? And I'll preface this by saying. Back in the very first Silurian story, we of course had the triad where mm. one of them is not against the humans and one of them is very belligerently against the humans mm. and kills the one who's not against the humans. Mm. So the Silurians, unlike the Santarans, who are a clone race, Silurians are already set up to have more of a facility for empathy and what have you. And
1: individuality as and well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, yeah. They're, they're set up as individuals so you can believe... That a Sontaran who's on her own in the Silurian. London Silurian who's yeah. on her own in the London Underground would adapt, would adapt, and then thrive in Victorian London, particularly with the Victorian sort of sense of discretion. So you just put a face veil on <laughs> and you look perfectly normal. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah I liked so, him. Yeah, it was great. Mm, yeah, and again, yeah. again, I agree with 99 percent of fans who's who really want to see a spin-off series of Vastro in Victorian London solving kind of Ripper Street-style fantasy murders. It'd be great. It'd be really good.
0: I think the thing that says that Expensive. that won't happen is, yeah, the masks. Yeah. Those actors, yeah. the The guy who plays Strax and um, Nev McIntosh would have to be every working day of the week mm. in at 4 a.m., Getting their masks put on, do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: that's true.
0: That's like, this is, people have often said, why can't you have an alien as a companion Mm. for exactly that reason? But but they a
2: big finish or comics or... But they do have a big finish,
1: yeah. But on the other hand, Star Trek does exactly that.
0: But if you look at the masks and things like Star Trek and Mm. Babylon 5, they're specifically designed so that they're easier, not easy, but easier to put on. yeah. I think actually, if you look at the masks that um, Strax and Vastra are wearing by about the snowmen, or maybe the one after that, mm. they're already starting to look like cheaper masks, right? Okay. Easier to put on, probably for the very reason that when they first appeared in that story,
1: mm. yes, or
0: when they, or rather, in the and Stratagem mm. and Hungry Earth, when they designed the masks, mm. they're thinking of them as one-offs. Mm -hmm. And now they're coming back once or twice a season. They're thinking, well, we can't really be dealing with this all the time. Mm. So I think there is a change there already. It would make a great series.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: But Or one of the reasons it would make a great series is because... As Vastra is always a guest in Doctor Who, she never actually gets to solve anything.
2: Yeah. There's a um, uh, a series on Netflix, I can't remember what it's called, <coughs> where it's a. Uh, That's how you
1: tell an anecdote.
2: It is. It's a husband and wife, and the wife becomes a zombie. So the husband's killing people to feed his wife Okay. on the quiet. And there'd be an element of that to it, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's one of the funny sides of you, that. Yeah, she only kills the, the bad guys, passed. doesn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but quite it's,
1: horribly. It's yeah, right, that's quite dark. Yeah, what she does with Jack the Ripper.
0: Mm. Well, that's how you end every episode. She tracks them down, and instead of handing them over to the police, she just eats them. Yeah, yeah. but that's left to your imagination,
1: of course. Just light belching.
0: <laughs> um, I tell you, one other thing that kind of niggled at me just slightly is the. Gay Anglican priests joke. We don't need names. Were the gay Anglican priests? I quite like
1: that. <laughs> Why did that nickel? <laughs> I, I, I liked it the it.
0: first time.
1: Yeah,
0: but having seen it five or six times, mm. it's it is an example of a not realistic bit of dialogue. And I don't mind when the dialogue is stylised because I think dialogue should be stylized, because you're supposed to be watching something for entertainment. Mm. But like five or six times in, that takes me out of it because I'm thinking. No, it, somebody could say about you, they're the gay Anglican priests, why would we need to remember your names? Yes. But you wouldn't say that about yourselves? No. Okay.
3: So, it's kind funny of, if
0: they were wearing some like, uh, updated gap tops. Do <clears clears throat> you are. see what I mean? These are really minor niggles. Gay Al-
2: Anglican priests. But do you know what I'm saying? Yes, no, no, uh, yes. yes silence gonna... made a joke. Sorry. I know, but it wasn't right a, was a, a fashion moment, joke. Should we
1: have a moment of silence? <laughs> <laughs> no, we could do
0: that if Lee was here. Okay. <laughs> We usually have a moment of silence. For At least I'm <laughs> honest about
2: my stupidity.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, That's... I can see that. But maybe because it's the second time or the third time I've seen it. Yeah, I've yeah. I've forgotten about that, yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. joke. And I don't, I don't think I get taken out of... I don't think I get taken out of things. Or maybe I don't get into things like that.
0: Well, when I say taken out, what I mean is... Because I'm always... Your brain works on two levels. Yeah. Part of it is following the fiction. And the other part's thinking about why things are the way they are. Mm. And when you're watching something, neither should really overwhelm the other. No, they
1: should blend in. Yeah. And, yeah and
0: when you get a joke like that, it doesn't take you out, but it just means that one half of your brain suddenly massively overrides I suppose, the other side.
1: I suppose because it's the only moment of sort of, of, sort of fourth wall breaking mm. in the episode, if there was more of it, or more yeah, yeah. Sort of ironic in-jokes, then it would blend in a bit better. But yeah, just suddenly like flips to that. And Re- the face Re- Re- of the fats, Pats, gay, young, dick, and priest. That was quite. I liked the headless monks, I liked oh, yes. the idea of the headless monks, and great for amazing. kids as well. Yeah. Kid, yeah, you
0: can imagine kids would love. Mm. I mean, imagine what I mean. How old was I when Brain of Morbius was on seven or something, mm-hmm. and that's the guy with the brain in the fish tank sort of thing and with the pincer for one arm and yes. stuff. That kind of sort of gruesome physical body stuff. And imitable as well. Yeah. You just have to pull your exactly. jumper up. And where it's not necessarily nasty so much as it is just bizarre.
1: Yes. yeah.
0: Because, I mean... Where well, if the head's gone? Well, I mean, obviously it's a metaphor. If the head's gone, where's the brain? Well,
1: they're monks. Yes, yeah.
0: So it's obviously a metaphor in that yeah. sense. But you know what I mean.
1: Is there a so that um, Moffat's done this thing before about having religion and the military in combined. time of the angels? Yeah. yeah. So there's. I quite like the fact, and he does it. He returns to it again. So there's a kind of a there's a kind of a story arc here about <clears> sort of a future future society.
2: It's the 51st century.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I like that as well. I think this
2: feels like the
1: middle point of that.
2: Sets it in the universe. an element of crusade to it as well, isn't
1: it? Yeah. It was a Babylon 5 crusade? What? Which, which crusade? Uh, I don't know. I just... The crusade. Oh, yeah. The Crusades. church has always oh, okay. been okay. militarised, yeah, yeah. haven't yes. they? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, you look at the conquest of America, the attempts to conquer the Middle East, mm. and everywhere else, the church has always been militarised. Mm. And this is just saying, don't forget that.
1: Yeah. And it's also a sort of, there's also a kind of a merger of different religions or different sects in here as well, because you have Catholicism, Anglicanism, you have monks as well. So it's sort of religion combining together, mm. quite nice. Wow. Yeah. Anything else that anybody especially
2: liked or any niggles that either of you have? No, I think I think, I think we, we touched on the, this idea of bringing back the Spitfires and the... Yeah. Do you know what I think, why it doesn't quite work with me, and again, it's another personal thing, is the fact that because it's from recent Doctor Who history, so I know it's for the audience's sake, but it's like if the Doctor was going to do that, he wouldn't necessarily pick the people from recent adventures, would he? I don't know. Well, I don't know,
0: that made sense to me. Does the people it? you've just had the contact with are the people you're most likely to... Yeah, okay. Most easily get back in contact with, and who most recently have a reason to want to help
1: you. Yeah. And depressingly, on a practical level, it was pretty easy to just is see, is shoot the thing, scene with. Yeah. And you'd have the body. same
2: face as well, Simon. I know, I know. It's this thing us fans do of overthinking things. I started thinking, all right, so we went back to the Spitfires, and he got them to refit one of those things so it could fly in space again, and then brought it back again. I didn't Yeah, worry okay, that, that's what he did. I didn't right. worry
1: about that, and actually. This is what I was saying, that actually when I first saw it, I was less bothered by it, because Vastra, Strax, they were all part of that. Yeah. But now, because Vastra and Strax have become slightly more than that, then they jar, then Hugh Bonneville jars and the Spitfire jars. Mm. I don't
0: know, do you think so? Because in this, Hugh Bonneville and the Spitfires are the returning ones, and Strax and Vastra are the new ones. But now they're all returning ones.
1: Yeah, but one of those returning for like a brief, well, brief yeah. second and the Spitfires for brief seconds. So it's sort of, I don't know. And the, uh, and the and that moment with the Silurians, just the, the normal Silurians, that sort of. That's, that's slightly odd. Yeah, I couldn't quite work that out.
0: But then that's the Star Wars moment, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. That's your. Uh, here's a alien race on screen with. Weapons. It certainly
2: made more sense than say in Well, uh, it did make sense I suppose in the, the Pandora yeah yeah
0: Pandora opens sorry yeah
1: yeah when the, all the but it was, I think it was the way it was shot because I had the same thing with the Pandora opens mm. they obviously sort of shot them separately from yeah, the story yeah, yeah. and I think because it, you just cut to you just cut to it. And it just looks like they've shot it separately. It's mm. not blended in very well. I think the Hugh Bonneville moment was blended in quite well. Yeah. Even though it was obviously shot at a different time. Mm. But I don't know. It's just the way it was cut to. Mm. Mm. But I like the way they do it. I like the, the way that Moffitt did it with um, Van Gogh and Churchill as well. And bringing them back for, for the, mm. the final episode.
0: I... What about, then, the revelation about Riversong being Amy and Rory's daughter? I, do, is that a story? I mean, I've said my piece. I mm. think this is Doctor Who doing Star Wars. Is that, is that reasonable, a story for Doctor Who to
2: tell? Because, I mean, I know I was... I haven't seen any reason why there should be whatever. a story that Doctor Who couldn't tell. Mm. Really. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, I think
1: I'm fine with it now. I'm interested to know how fine I'm going to be with it in future episodes. So at the moment it feels like a revelation and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens to that revelation. Um and has it has it actually explained the the regenerating girl at the end of of um uh the impossible of the story? Yeah, yeah. Yet. Have they explained that? Yet? No, that, if that happens in Let's Kill Hitler. So that explains it in the next one. So there's still sort of loose ends to tie up. So well, as I'm watching this, if I was watching it in isolation without knowing what happens next, well, you, then well, I still aware
0: Watching of it. this, you can put it all together in your head, but you yeah. need it confirmed, and you get yeah. it confirmed in the next episode. Yeah. okay. So that's the question it leaves you with yeah. is what I think has just happened the thing that I think has just happened? Right. But yeah. I mean, it's all pretty obvious that it is, yeah. but you just need it. Confirming, and that 's what the next episode does, essentially, yeah. but then the next episode throws it throws in the incarnation you don't know in order to in order that even though it's only confirming things that you already know, mm. it throws in one extra element so that you still do get a surprise after all.
1: I quite like the the way it ties the doctor into Amy and Rory much more closely because i've always liked that relationship that three way relationship between the doctor Amy and Rory, and this ends and another dimension because the woman's basically river song basically in a long-term relationship with the Mm. doctor so the doctor's discovered that his parents-in-law are also his best friends at the same time and that's that's quite nice yeah Mm. i like it yeah yeah
0: Mm. it's another example of stephen moffat saying right doctor who always does the thing where it's this Let's see how we can change that without changing it. So essentially, the relationship that you see on screen between these characters is the relationship that you've always had, Mm -hmm. but on paper, and therefore informing some of the decisions, but not necessarily so obviously that you notice it. There's a different element to the relationship, and Moffat always looks to change that up. He does it again with Clara. Yeah. In in more obvious ways because it gives Clara the relationship with... um,
1: With these sorts of mysteries that that fans always want it to be Susan or want it to be Romana or the Rani. And it always turns out to be something internal that it is or Mm. something, a twist to do with what you're seeing at the moment rather than something being brought back from a long time ago. And I quite... Yeah.
2: I think I prefer that to... I quite like that grey area. I don't know how much a grey area is it is, or oh, whether well, I'm seeing more than there is, but there's that uh, that moment Vastra does the test on the baby and says there's Time Lord DNA. Mm. I, my first thought was, dirty boy. but <laughs> Because I still came out at the end of it thinking, so uh, I take it, it is Amy and Robbie's baby, Time Lord DNA. Oh, they... Simon, you what? filthy bugger. Well, there you go. You know, but but, you're, but, but that's, the explanation but that's, is I wonder there. If
1: you're supposed to think that as well, because yeah. there is a running, a running, yeah. gag or theme that you don't quite know who Amy is talking about—whether exactly. Rory or the Doctor. Mm. So I think that settled before of, this episode. Well, no, because it happens in this episode. So she's talking about oh, Rory yeah, coming yeah. back. To that's to, right. Yeah. So a, they kind of repeat it. But it's
2: settled before the moment where you get. The, it, it's settled yeah. when they start saying about the baby being conceived.
0: Within the vortex. yeah, And that comes before she says it's Time Lord DNA? Or it's certainly in the same conversation. It's conceived in the vortex. And then they
1: work out it's conceived on the wedding night because the Doctor has has to have an awkward conversation about it. Mm. And at that point, because it happens on their wedding night, that sort of seals the, (laughs) cuts that rumour off.
3: Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah, so you're not supposed to think anything other than those Amys and Roy's. Maybe for ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But...
1: That's, a, that's a sort of a tease. But the same I with think that's the... quite Movety. Yeah, what's yeah. Bastra's um, wife called? Um, Jenny. Jenny. But there's the same sort of sense of almost on the edge with Jenny and Bastra and the tongue scene and various sort of in-jokes. So... I don't think it's
0: defined in this episode, is it?
1: No, but... I'm, I actually remember watching the episode and hearing comments afterwards about... They're how, a married
0: couple or whatever.
1: Yeah, or th- they're, they're in a relationship. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Mm. So it's sort of suggestive and suggested.
0: Yeah. Certainly watching this, you don't think of them as anything but a mm. couple. Yeah, But then that's hindsight doing some work for you, isn't it? Yeah. Certainly <laughs> call me
2: Dirty Boy. Moffat's obviously Dirty Boy. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah the well, Moffat comes from a background of... Situation comedy. Yeah, yeah. And especially in comedy. I'm not complaining. Cases.
2: Yeah. I'm not complaining.
0: So, I mean, I always. Uh, when I knew that Moffat was coming to do Doctor Who, right back as far as The Empty Child, I was expecting sex jokes because, you know, I'd seen so much of coupling and other things he'd mm. done. So, and to be honest, I wasn't. Ex- well, everything that Moffat's. <clears throat> well, I think I've written about this, but. I don't know whether I've spoken about it on here. Everything that Moffat's done has been autobiographical. Mm. So his first series, Press Gang, is about his experiences as a teacher, and he was a teacher before he went into writing. His second series is Joking Apart, which is the story of his breakup with his first wife. His next series is Chalk, which again is about his experiences as a teacher. His next series is Coupling, which is about how he and his second wife got together. And, oh, Jekyll's slightly different, but so that's not about necessarily, but it touches on some of the things about the
1: breakup in his first marriage. And then Tintin's, from that year, he spends as a Belgian <laughs> reporting yeah. a teenager. Well, that's the only thing that's different, <laughs> but that's Tintin. like a film commission yeah, rather yeah, than, yeah, yeah.
0: but I mean, Moffat's own sort of self started yeah. stuff. So then... Yeah, that's for everyone, though, do not it? So, so really? he's done all these things. yeah. And I'm thinking, when he comes into Doctor Who, well, that's probably going to be the first thing he does where he doesn't do the autobiographical stuff. Mm. And then what do you know? Rory is Stephen Moffat. Mm. Amy is Sue Virtue. Mm. And then you get Clara, who's a slightly different version of Sue Virtue. And when you... uh, He's written about his mother in so many of those stories. Mm-hmm. All the stuff about memory that Stephen Moffat is doing over and over and over and over and over over again is because his mother has Alzheimer's, or did, she died, obviously. Mm. So he's, even in Doctor Who, he's bringing his own life into it. And when people look at characters like Amy and say, nobody talks like that in real life, I'm thinking, well, you obviously haven't lived with Stephen Moffat's
2: wife. Because she obviously does, it's, because that's her on screen talking a through them. Fascinating character. It's a fascinating thing when you think about how <clears throat> out there his stories are, and how the elements seem so fantastical, yet the the emotions are so tangible, mm. and that's why. Because, because he's, he
0: has this facility,
2: impregnates it with a...
0: for allegorizing a his own life through science fiction, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So he tells these complicated sometimes or just dense at other times time paradox stories that are about the things that you go through in a marriage or a relationship and the time travel distracts you and if you're a kid or if you're just into sci-fi you can just watch the sci-fi or whatever but if you're i don't know our age and looking at it the way we do you see the sci-fi and you see the stuff about the relationship. Hmm. Should we give a score to a good man goes to war? Okay.
2: Oh, can I just say, Joe, very briefly? Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> no, took your time. <laughs> Amy, I, I, fast becoming the more time goes on, one of my favourite characters. Favorite I think she's companions. really well written. But, uh, yeah, yeah. We've said before mm-hmm. she is she's a broken character. She's Mm. got all this stuff to deal with. Well, this is something that Stephen
0: Moffat does that a lot of fans of the classic series don't like. In the classic series, they stick a bunch of characters in front of you and you're just supposed to like them. Mm. Stephen Moffat sticks a bunch of characters in front of you and says, you ain't necessarily supposed to like this person. You're supposed to empathise with them. You're supposed to obviously want them to win the day. But you ain't necessarily supposed to like them in the way you would Mm. somebody who's not given that character depth.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we just find out yet another chunk of something that she's had to deal with. It's no wonder at the end that she becomes this kind of impervious creature who has a real job with owning up to the fact of how she feels about her husband. Hmm. And then you go back to something like
0: the way Donna was written and she had the issues with her parents, but there wasn't anything like the depth of detail you've got with like Amy or Clara. No, No, no character stuff
3: mm. it's right. all about
0: the playing really Still, I mean I'm not saying Ross T Davies didn't because mm. you know you had all the stuff about Rose with her father and that's why she needs a father figure hence the doctor and all this kind of
2: stuff it's all there mm. but it just he doesn't Ross T Davies doesn't, doesn't go quite... into the detail does it's he no te- the, yeah, the texture isn't quite there mm. scores then since you're talking Simon Um, I'd say it's a seven for me okay
1: I'd go with an 8 out of 10.
0: Well I see, and even though I said I was more disappointed by it this time, I gave it a 9 before and I'll stick with that,
3: because
0: mm. those niggles are the extra point. I, I loved it. I thought it was Doctor Who right out there on the very edges of what Doctor Who is, and I love it when it does that. I, no, I don't always love it when it does that. I love it when it does that, and I think it does it well. Mm. Um, so I hopped through a few reviews, okay. but I'll hop through them really quickly. <clears throat> Since as we have actually been going on for longer than I thought we would um, but the other email is from Damon Habin I don't know if you remember he'd emailed a few weeks ago now saying he'd started from the start and he oh, wasn't going to listen to our future episodes until he got to them Right. so he won't know that I read out his first email until he gets to it in god knows how many months time um so he just
1: this, So he's now commenting
0: on stuff that you recorded. He says, I'm up to episode 127 now, so ploughing through them. Just wanted to mention the whole regeneration age topic. If we look back, <coughs> right, this is a conversation we had. 127, that must be th- two and a half, three years ago, something? I, I, don't wasn't, know.
1: I wasn't there at that point, didn't
0: I? No, three and a half years ago.
1: Yeah, I wasn't
0: there. Yeah, God. If we look back through the Doctors, we have had a lot of young actors playing the role. And I get the thinking behind... We talked about when the Doctor regenerates. If you think about it without your fan head on thinking, oh, I'd love it if it was somebody like Bill Knight mm. or whatever. Or it has been people like John Pertwee. But if you, I said, if you think about a Time Lord's regeneration, the way it should work is they start in a young body, they grow old, they regenerate into a young body and grow old... Mm. Because that's how you're going to have the most longevity, right? Yeah. And if you're going to have something like regeneration, it's to provide longevity so you wouldn't regenerate into an old body.
1: Right. Okay. You know, unless
0: you have, you know, you're the kind of eccentric bastard who thinks, oh, I'd like to be old still. Yes. Yeah. But that's you know true. what I mean? Okay. It should be young body grows old, young body okay. grows old, young body grows old. It seemed like Barusa went through a young face. Well, he well, went we through about it. five old bodies in about three years. He? <laughs> but then that was just, you know, casting logistics.
3: <laughs> anyway, he says, uh,
0: <clears throat> I get the thinking behind the Doctor then living a longer life if he goes into a younger body. With the exception of Matt Smith living a very, very long life and David Tennant turning into a little pixie, the Doctors have all regenerated young, so I can't see how much difference it makes how old the regenerated Doctor looks. Because he won't get the chance to grow old, right. but then that is, but then that's not looking at the biology of it. No. That's looking at the history of the fiction.
1: And he's also writing with the benefit of having watched Capaldi, presumably, which you wouldn't have had when you were talking about that.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean Cap- Capaldi. But when you look at, but but going back to what I said, if biologically or mm. chemically or scientifically or whatever, the idea is you start in a young body, grow old, and then go back to a young body to grow old again, then let's call that the nature of it. Yeah. But something like what's happening to the doctor is outside of nature. Yes. So that doesn't stop how nature works. Right. So just because, I mean, say your dad's a soldier and he goes to war. Mm. And uh, he's in harm's way a lot of the time. Nature, and then he comes home on leave or something and conceives you with his wife and then goes back out into a war situation or whatever. Mm. Nature doesn't then provide you with the armour Mm. because your father's in war situations. Yes. Nature doesn't look at that and say, well, if your father's in war situations, then you probably will be too. Mm. So you need to be big and tough and strong. Right. Nature just makes you what nature would always have made you.
3: Yeah.
0: And the thing that's happening outside of that is external to what nature's doing.
1: Right.
0: So in terms of the Doctor Who situation, I'm saying biology says you should grow old and then regenerate into a young body to grow old again. Yes. And whatever's happening to the Doctor, the fact that he's getting killed before he gets chance to have much of a life mm. in each of these bodies, doesn't affect how nature plays its work. Right. Okay. So nature should, should still choose young bodies for him. Mm. We're saying in the Doctor's case, I think we said the fact that it's different in the Doctor's case is presumably because ordinarily a Time Lord would regenerate due to old age mm. on Gallifrey In a very calm situation. And the doctor's regenerating here, there, and everywhere because he's getting killed here, there and everywhere. And that means that biology's not doing its work properly. Right. Yes. So that that's your in fiction excuse for the doctor not regenerating into young bodies. But we were saying he should. Yes. If nature was playing its course in the way it's supposed to work, I guess. Mm. Um, Which will shock David Campbell. Well, it will do if Susan regenerates into... Mm. But then we don't know she's a Time Lord.
1: Okay, yeah.
0: Because um, none of these things were settled then, so it's never specified that she's a Time Lord. And since then, it seems to be the case that regeneration cycles are in the gift of the Time Lords rather than something you're born with. And um, becoming a Time Lord is also something you're not born to, but Mm. something that you achieve. Right. Anyway, very, very quickly, I'll do some reviews i malevolent was a big finish, which was a short trip with Bonnie Langford reading a story. It's basically a take on Snow
3: White
0: mm-hmm. oh, and it feels like the author really wants to actually do Snow White and fairy tale, but then he gives a scientific explanation mm-hmm. because it's Doctor Who and you have to, and the scientific explanation works and it's all fine and plausible but you just kind of have this nagging feeling in your back of your mind that he really wanted to go the other way with it but felt he couldn't. But it's very good and Bonnie Langford's excellent. Who's the
2: author?
0: Simon A. Forwood maybe? I've said that now and it's probably wrong so I should probably not have said it. (laughs) Oh Simon's going to look it up. I'll
2: look it up. Okay,
0: Malevolent. Um, Serpent in the Silver Mask was another big finish. It's a four part Peter Davison with the full season nineteen crew, Nissa, wow. Teagan and Adrick. Yeah. But unlike season nineteen, which quite often takes itself too seriously, this is um Kind Hearts and Coronets done in the style of Agatha Christie. Okay. Yeah. It's tremendous fun and it's about a family that's all being killed off. And um Samuel West Samuel is West, playing yeah, all of I've them. Seen that yeah, it's excellent. It's fun. Some films, then, very quickly, Reborn is a martial arts type thing, which starts off looking a bit amateurish. About halfway through, gets into the fighting. The fighting is very effective. If you like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. that's going to appeal to you. But as a film for anybody else, I would say not. On the other hand, Female Fight Club is another sort of martial arts type thing, mm-hmm. which looks very, 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 very cheap. Mm-hmm. But actually, the people who made it put enough into it to almost make it worth it for people who are not necessarily into martial arts. Mm-hmm. For instance, the way it's set up is there's going to be a climactic face-off between two characters in the club. Right. But the climactic face-off between the two characters in the club happens at the 60-minute point, and then you've got half an hour after that where the story actually continues to develop. Mm. So they put enough thought in it, so that it doesn't just do the cliché thing.
3: Yes.
0: Um, Slaughterhouse Rock is an old 80s movie about a bunch of frat kids who go to an island because one of them's being haunted by dreams, so on the island they need to find out why he's being haunted. And um, the first 20 minutes when it's doing the frat boy stuff, is actually porky's light, and it's quite nice. good. And it's not as leery and as horrible as Porky's, so it's Mm -hmm. actually sort of pleasant. Mm -hmm. When they get to the island, they sort of run out of ideas, and then um, Tony Basil, who sang Mickey, turns up, and she needs to, for some bizarre reason that I couldn't really get my head around, the main character who's having the dreams, she needs there to be two of him. Right. So she does this, like, spell thing, so that she can separate his soul from his body. But in order to do that, she does this really stupid 80s dance, which is just... (laughs) So there are moments like that. If you enjoyed slaughterhouse Rock in the 80s, it's a nice new Blu-ray transfer and it looks very nice. If you didn't, you will probably think, after about half an hour, kind of running out of ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, Run, Chrissy, Run is an old 80s film that was so poorly made that it didn't even get released in the cinema. It was just went straight to TV. Australian thing. Mm. Oh, it includes playing Jane from Neighbours. Right. Two years before she was in Neighbours, although there was a two-year delay before it turned up on telly, so it premiered on telly about the same time she started being in Neighbours. Mm. Um, it's about a mother and a daughter on the run from the mob in Australia. It's not terribly good, but it's just about fast enough and brief enough and brisk enough that it's doesn't bore you. Mm. There are some terrible scenes in it, but there are also some quite nice scenes in it. It's a really odd, tonal mishmash. Um, the Ghost Lovers is an old 70s Japanese, not Japanese, Korean film made oh. in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. which is kind of one of the roots of where modern J-horror comes from. Mm-hmm. Except it's a love story. It's more like, I, in the review, I said it's like a poem on the screen mm. because it's sort of, in the way a poem gives you details about a character but doesn't give you the character if you know what I mean Okay. this film kind of gives you details about a story but the, the story's all there yeah. and you follow it but it's like so sort of allegorical it kind of it doesn't really work as a story mm. but it works as a story it's like hard to describe yes. I just I said it was like a poem on the screen and it is, but it's not frightening at all. Right. It's more funny than it is frightening, but it's not a comedy. Okay. But it was, it was really good, mm-hmm. but very unusual. And finally, um, Jailbreak, which is another... This was also Korea, I think, which is... No, Cambodia. Mm-hmm. This was Cambodia's attempt to do a martial arts thing. And I've got to say, Jailbreak was... A huge surprise. I really, really enjoyed it. Okay. I did. I never do the research before I watch a film. I want to watch a film completely on its own merits, and then I do some research afterwards. Mm. And it was made for something like a quarter of a million dollars. Right. But it doesn't look cheap. Mm. And the actors who are in it, they all look familiar, in that way where afterwards you think, I've probably not actually seen any of these before... Mm. And the reason that they look familiar is because they have star charisma. Mm -hmm. So the actors in it are all really good. Mm -hmm. And the kind of people who would probably go on to have really good careers. The story is not remotely original. But the people who are making it know it's not remotely original. So they don't take the piss out of it or themselves. But they do it with a knowingness that the whole thing has this edge of Okay, we know you've seen this before, so let's do it just slightly in a way that either makes you smile about the fact that you've seen it before or does it in a way where it's not quite the way you've seen it done before.
3: Mm.
0: And it carries on like this throughout the whole thing and it has some really hilarious bits. Mm. And the relationships between all the characters are in it feel really real and natural. And it was just a huge surprise. I'm not going to say it's one of the best films I've ever seen. Yeah. But I'd say if you don't mind martial arts, let alone if you like martial arts, seek it out and watch it. Very entertaining. Did a good solid eight. It was an eight.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this bottle of water's going up your seat. <laughs> <laughs> well not, not okay. at this moment. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh it was Simon Forward. Uh, oh it was. Yeah. Uh, good. Um right, I guess until next week then, unless oh, anybody seen anything? Like Paddington 2 I is not quite out, is it? Paddington no, 2 is out. Oh, on um, Blu-ray. No, I'm not thinking of Paddington 2. I'm thinking of Peter Rabbit. <sighs> oh, I just wondered... No, because that's the big kiddies Easter
1: I've heard CGI. I've heard reviews of Peter Rabbit. But, uh, I've yeah, seen reviews I've that finished. said it's dreadful. Yes. Yeah.
0: I don't know whether anybody might have been tempted by curiosity. Don't do me t- idea. No, so
1: I, I, was, I watched Paddington because I know that they're really good films. Paddington are good films that... Will last the test of time and be watched by children for generations to come. Well, Peter, Peter Rabbit, from what I've heard, <clears throat> Peter Rabbit
0: is obviously somebody else's attempt to do a Paddington yes. with a yeah. different exactly. property. Yeah, exactly. And Which is
2: why I'm loathe to put money towards it. And they've obviously misread
0: what it was about Paddington that worked. Mm. By the sound of it, from what I can make out.
3: Mm.
2: Well, anything announced in the last three or four weeks, because it's been a month, hasn't it? Yeah, we've got a few days, and we've got a few days... Oh, no, Paddington 2's out on Blu-ray now, isn't it? From yeah. A few days till Last Jedi's out. Right. So it'll be interesting to watch and again. The new
1: Avengers movie is coming out shortly, oh. I think. Avengers... Oh, Blu- yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Sorry, for some reason I was thinking Steed. I don't know why. Why? Oh. I'm a Marvel fan. Why <laughs> on earth was I thinking that? You should
1: try a game with that. I thought they were going to try again with that. There's a rumour of a new Avengers TV series.
2: Avengers, Steed and New. Mm. Okay. Or maybe I'm thinking of Big Finish. And I'm, I'm incredibly excited about the Marvel film. Though. Mm. Yeah, yeah, me too.
0: Right, on that note then, next week we may do Let's Kill Hitler, but probably not. Okay. Because I like to throw something else in between anyway. But since as it's been a while, maybe we will. But I'd quite like to do the um, Ross Davis story arcs. Mm -hmm. So unless something else comes up, which the way things have been going, who knows, but unless something comes up, probably then next week we'll do Russell D. Davis story arcs and
2: the week after, Let's Kill
0: Hitler. Okay. And until then, I was JR.
2: I was Simon. I was
0: Elton. And we'll speak again soon.